The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Coming soon to Dread, the maid. Joy is the new maid of a royal house whose previous maid disappeared under mysterious circumstances and is now haunting and terrorizing the family. Joy works to uncover the reason behind the former maid's disappearance. The maid will be made available on demand everywhere July 20, 2021, and on Blu-ray August 17, 2021. Welcome to Development Hell. Available now from Dread, the Queen of Spades. According to legend, an ominous entity known as the Queen of Spades can be summoned by performing an ancient ritual. Four teenagers summon the Queen of Spades, but they could never imagine the horrors that await them. The Queen of Spades is available on demand everywhere and on Blu-ray, July 3rd, 2021. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong, and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. So today we have a very special guest. We have Peaches Christ with us to talk about Trick or Treat two which is incredible so peaches would you do us a favor and introduce yourself to the development hell audience sure uh well thanks for having me i'm peaches christ and i live in san francisco california uh i am a drag queen entertainer um who's really built a a sort of a a show business career based around my love for cult movies. So Mm -hmm. I screen cult movies. I create parody shows of cult movies. Uh, I'm also a filmmaker who makes movies Mm -hmm. that may or may not become cult movies. Um, (laughs) 
And I, uh, yeah, now I now have a podcast about cult movies called Midnight Mass. So Amazing. Do you want to tell that, us a little bit about Midnight Mass? Sure. So Midnight Mass originally was my midnight movie stage show that I did here in San Francisco for many, many years, which evolved into um, a show that was no longer at midnight mm. because I got old and I started um, making bigger Productions. So in the early days, the pre-show before the movie screening was short and sweet and it happened at midnight and it was usually sketch comedy and maybe a contest or two. And over the years, we got more and more ambitious and the pre-shows got longer and longer and longer. And then people were coming for the shows rather than the screenings. And so we moved to the Castro Theater. We basically graduated from a 400-seat movie theater called The Bridge to a 1,400-seat movie theater called The Castro. And uh, and it, w- it was no longer um, called Midnight Mass because mm. it wasn't happening at midnight anymore. So uh, <laughs> recently, I have uh, dug up the old title um, and created a podcast with my friend um, and and. Uh, collaborator Michael Verratti who's also a filmmaker film writer um, and we are um, doing this podcast and centering it around our love for cult movies and specifically really looking at the cult behind these movies so of course we'll be talking about the movies but we're really talking about um, the, the 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 way in which these movies changed people's lives so talking to a lot of obsessed fans Oh, I love Obsessed Fans. Yeah. I did an episode last week on a video game called Silent Hills that never happened. And I just was not aware of the ferociousness of that community. And Uh now I know. So, yeah, they they hold things very close to their heart. And I respect that because I like Tori Amos so much, I could die. So I get it on some level. So Tori Amos is like, if you were to worship at the altar of any icon, it, you think at the top of, of the list, oh. it would be Tori Amos. Uh, oh, uh, yes. I love I, that. Gosh, oh, thank and, you. So how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 32. Wow. You're very young to I, love Tori Amos. I'm one of the young ones. It's well, true. I was going to say, I assume uh-huh. maybe you were more like my age, but wow, I'm impressed. I missed the heyday. When I got involved, she was real downhill. And you know what? I celebrate that. I truly, I do. Uh, I don't know if your icon would love to hear that. Oh, uh, she wouldn't. But you know no, she's no, not she listening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, I buy each album. I go to each tour. What else do you want from that's me, true, Tori? What do you I, want? And, you oh. know, I, I feel like she's one of those um, artists who, you know, this is how old I am. I had, you know, her first album on cassette tape. Jealous. You know, drive around when I was 16 years old and play just, it in a just car. Just crying. Just crying. Yes, just crying and <laughs> loving it. I mean, of my course. God. Uh, you know, her lyrics, you know, I mean, I'm Peaches Christ. You know, she wanted to smash the faces of those beautiful boys. Yeah, you know? I bet you uh, she did. You know, yeah, that that whole, the, anyway, whatever. I love that you love her. Oh, I'm and, obsessed with um, her. Yeah, yeah we, we, now we are on Midnight Mass. We are limiting right. it for now to film icons. Mm. But, you know, if we ever do a version on, you know, um, I don't know. What would you call her? I mean, she's a musician, but is she a pop oh, no, no, musician? She, Not really, you know. I, let's call her singer-songwriter. And she singer, has been yes. in a movie. She was definitely in Mona Lisa's Smile. So get mm. that on your stage. I okay. Feel, who would be Julia Roberts, though? You, I guess. I don't think so. Well, you know, mate, well, I'm trying to think of, we did uh, Steel Dragnolias. I and, saw uh, that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Malay Balenciaga 
played Julia Roberts. Um, I mean, that's ideal. Yeah, truly. so it it's was it was face. pretty fabulous. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I yeah. couldn't tell them up. I can't tell them apart. They're like, who is who? I'm not. <laughs> just, it just happened. It just you know. You, well, Malay is black, <laughs> I, and that is part <laughs> of my concern. <laughs> I yeah, know. See, in my in my world, I can take a cult movie and twist and turn it and queer it to be whatever <laughs> I want it to be. Right. Of so course. you know, in my universe, you know, um, we we don't really stick to the. Um, traditions of gender or race or age or any of that, you know. Who, though, is the Julia Roberts of drag, if you had to say? Oh, God, good question. The Julia Roberts of drag. And I'm going to think you of know, my answer, too. I, 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 I have to say that I, it, you know, I feel like there's these movie stars that come out and they're very cool. And I, I feel like this this about Julia Roberts and Reese Witherspoon okay. did, 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 did very cool movies in the early part of their career, right? Like mm-hmm. Mystic Pizza or for Julia or Freeway. Freeway. I knew you, know, you were going to say, I said it before yeah. you said it just you so you it. knew that I knew. Yeah. Ele- election. Um, oh, yeah. And then, exactly. you know, they get a hit, right? So for Julia, it was obviously Pretty Woman and mm-hmm. their star is catapulted to, you know, the outer stratosphere. And, of non-interesting roles, yes. And then they do a ton of non-interesting roles. Sweet Home right? Alabama, like, who talking can blame to you. them, right? But I feel Me? like both those actors are so talented that despite all the <laughs> shitty movies, they've sort of circled back to doing interesting things again. Yeah, you know, I love Julia on... Um, Homecoming, if you saw the Steven Soderbergh uh, TV series. Did I watch Homecoming? There's no way. Oh, gosh. It's I'm so sorry. Great. Yeah. I loved it. And uh, Little Fires Everywhere for Reese. Okay, here. that I watched. Well, Reese <laughs> now is obsessed with playing Karen. You know, she's oh, just and, a and Karen she does it in every very movie. well. She's that so scream she did. Yeah. I, I mean, it was no Meryl season two of Big Little Lies. That's true. That's but true. But it worked. It, it worked. Did. But yeah, I have to say, so as far as drag performers, Let's see. So I'm, that's a very long way of saying I think both those people, Julia and Reese, I guess I would say like in my world, it would be maybe like Jinx and Dela, you know, oh my God, two people I that I think, you know, they're my drag family. Jinx is actually my drag daughter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that they have the big talent. And then they got on this big TV show. And then <laughs> they did some, you know, maybe for, for better or worse, some kind of you know, tired drag tours, you know, uh, with, with the, 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 the Rue roster of talent, mm-hmm, and, you mm-hmm. know, and now they're doing these incredible things like making their own movies and putting out albums. And, you know, they're just so talented that, you know, they got, they, they, they used that, um, popular TV show, which we all love. It's entertaining to, to, you know, explode. And, mm-hmm. and now I feel like they're really doing it the right way. And, and I would say Bob, the drag queen too, you know, another oh. superstar, my other drag daughter, uh, who is so talented, um, that, yeah, I feel like Reese and Julia, they're in it for the long haul, you know? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Did Reese do herself any favors by surrounding herself with, the best actresses in the world on Big Little Lies? I don't know. I can't say. Um, I think she did. You know why? Mm. Because I felt like this is the thing with drag racing gay people. Uh, <laughs> everything now is a competition, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe we don't need to watch Big Little Lies and, and decide who did the best job. <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe we can just watch we it. But do. everyone <laughs> wants, you know, and, 
I need my women to be competing against one another at all times. Otherwise, why why am I supporting them? (laughs) I'm I'm not kidding. I I have to say, I watched Big Little Lies, and I really believed it to be a great ensemble thing. Like if if you put a gun to my head and I said you said who could I not live without? Of course, I'm going to choose Laura Dern. You know, I'm like. Uh, Good for you. you know, and that kind of gay. But uh, but I thought Reese was awesome. I thought Nicole Kidman was great. That's my pick. Uh, Sorry. You know, oh, Nicole. Yeah. Um, well, I thought She's Kravitz an... was great. And Kravitz came into her own in season two. I she am. did. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. She did. She did. Oh, but my they, God. Yeah, the other one was good. so good. The uh, um, I don't know. I, the one, I forget the her teen, name, too. The teen actress that's yes. in, like, those herd immunity movies. Yeah. She was great. She was excellent. Um, yeah, I with you. I like when my women compete for my attention. You know, it, it reminds me that I have a place in the patriarchy, even though I'm gay. Oh wow! Okay, well, you <laughs> I'm just, said I, it. I did, and I feel it. it. Come a canceling. You know. <laughs> I would love to be big enough to get canceled one of these days. Pray for me. Right. Okay. That's. I love. <laughs> I love that we've reached the point now where you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually, I think I, I might feel the same way you are. I, I actually. No, no, you it could be canceled. Comment. I I said it. Well, the other thing about canceling me is kind of like, look, I set out to be canceled. You know, you don't name yourself after Jesus and and beg for being (laughs) protested and and screen, you know, really problematic movies for years and years because you don't want to upset people, you know. So um, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, cancel me, whatever. The Christians are not the ones canceling people, though, right? That's exactly right. That's that's the hilarious thing. We're the ones that have the power. And good for us. Even back then, I have to say, even when I started drag, especially being a horror queen, and there really weren't any, um, there were plenty. Like, my show wasn't necessarily a homosexual audience. It was definitely a queer audience, but it was very also... um, well, John Waters calls the audi- my audience heteroflexible. And I think what, what that means is sort of like, it was punk rock. It was the rockabilly kids. It was a, like punk punk rockers and, and you know, um, queer outlaws. Um, but mainstream gay culture, like, did not want me around. You know, me and my <laughs> ilk were not welcome to the pride parades. We were not... You know, we weren't really celebrated in the Castro. We certainly weren't celebrated by the institutions in San Francisco, which is hilarious now because, you know, I, I'm hosting, you know, I co-produce a night at the symphony. Like yeah, she the, sold out. You know, I know. The, the big symphony or whatever. And I'm just kind of like laughing to myself because I'm like, these are the same people who were nauseated by me. Oh, yeah. So that's, you, that's horror, though, right? Everyone, we are not allowed to play. Every once in a while, we'll get an Oscar nomination and they'll call us a thriller. And I get so nauseated, but... Right, um, like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, you know, it's sort of like it's yeah. not a thriller. It's not it's a, a thriller. Freaking horror movie. John know. Kravinsky refuses to call A Quiet Place horror and calls it like thriller. And it, I am nauseated by this attitude. That's really a bummer. Th- that I reminds know. me of drag queens who say, "I'm I'm not a drag queen." You know, Lipsinka went through this phase where she was a. Uh, um, an actor. And it's like, Oh no. I mean, I love you. I think you're amazing. Your name is fucking lip And you yeah. built a career around lip syncing to Joan Crawford's dialogue. Like you're a drag queen. You're like the definition of a drag queen. You, you can't, you can't um, deny that now because you're above it. 
listen, I relate to any form of internalized hatred and I respect it and I celebrate it. Oh my God, so, you're hilarious. I love it. You. Pivoting back, coming back yes. to earth. Today we're talking about Trick or Treat 2. I'm so excited about it because I'm obsessed with Trick or Treat 1. I'm wondering what our general relationships with Trick or Treat are. Like when was the first time we saw it? Like, why do we love it? And why did you pick it as a topic? Okay, so um, great question. I'm going mm. to um, preface mm. this with the caveat that I have a terrible memory. Um, <laughs> and so I, <laughs> I will do my best. Um, what I do know about Trick or Treat is that I definitely saw it at home because my reaction after seeing it um, I think it might have been like from, you know, like Netflix or something, but when mm-hmm. you used to get the DVDs, like oh, yeah. way back when, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but but I remember very specifically by reaction being, what the hell? Uh, I cannot believe that did not get a theatrical. And like it just seemed shocking to me mm-hmm. that it was it was sort of uh, something that people weren't talking more about uh, outside of the genre community, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that I was pushed to see it because uh, I've always stayed connected to the genre community. And actually they were working on trick or treat around the same time that I was working on my feature film. And so, it, you know, I remember it being out there and I think I was in the film festival mm-hmm. just after they were. Um, so it was still something that was talked about a lot in the film mm-hmm. festival scene. So I went to sit just with all about evil, my film, and I went to jealous, you know, Toronto after dark and a bunch of places mm, where that's where I am. That's where you are. So you know yeah. what festival I'm talking about. So I Trick do. or Treat had played all those festivals and people were still talking about it. So when I finally got to see it, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I Truly. loved it, you know? And I love anthology films. And I was a kid who grew up worshiping Creepshow. And I love Halloween. Um, duh. And mm-hmm. it just it just hit on, it really, really hit on every um, sort of, nerve that I would want a really good modern um, Halloween anthology movie to do. And, and you know, when you love something so much and you you love a, a, a theme or an idea so much that you actually are more likely to be disappointed by the, by the Oh yeah. By I call the, it yeah. flying too close to the sun. Yes. So that was my mm-hmm. fear. I thought I was going to, you know, be disappointed, but no, no, no. I love <laughs> trick or treat. And then I did that thing where, you know, when you see a movie and you're like, oh, well now I just have to show it to every fucking person I know. So I, <laughs> yeah. I watched it like 10 times because I would invite people over and have screenings and show oh, yeah. it, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. So that was my experience with it. Oh God. It's an annual lot. You know what? I watched it so many times that I turned on it and I hadn't seen it. I don't know in years. And are you watching it for this? I've never been happier. It like, I was like, oh, more than holds up. I'm like, this, I forgot. This is my identity. This is who I am. And that, (laughs) and it really like, it it brought lots of joy into my, into my heart. Okay. Well, we're going to get back to trick or treat. I promise. Maybe we'll see. I want to talk to you a little bit about Halloween because the heart of trick or treat obviously is that it captures Halloween literally perfectly, which is so hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's almost uh, a fantasy of what Halloween should be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. It's like what we, it's like what Halloween was when we were a kid where like, it literally was a little bit dangerous and it was scary, but it, you are so drawn to it. And it was, yeah, absolutely. Do you have like any early Halloween memories or like scary Halloween memories that you'd be able to share? 
Yes, I actually. So I, I, my memory is stronger the further back we go. Mm. <laughs> um, it's almost like the older I've gotten, the more. I've run out of data. Or you or started drinking at a certain age, and then yeah, oh please, I yeah definitely. Um, oh yes, no. uh, but I. Uh, so my mother is. It's funny now because uh, she, uh, you know, is an older woman. She lives alone, and and um, she decorates for Halloween every year, and uh, d- goes over the top and. And I was talking to her about it and I said, you know, what's funny. I didn't realize that we were like the family that was super into Halloween. Uh Like I didn't, I thought this was something like everyone experienced. And my mom was like, oh no, like I loved Halloween. Your father loved Halloween (laughs) and we raised you all to love Halloween. And so that's why we went all out every year. And my dad would, you know, take not just us, but all of the neighborhood kids trick or treating and hook up a wagon to his little tractor and drive us around the neighborhood. And, oh my God, you know, I love um, it. my, you know, family. Yeah, it was, it was very much our holiday. And then I started to, I was obsessed with the haunted mansion. I was obsessed with haunted houses. Um, so they started bringing me to that stuff at a pretty young age. And then I started making that stuff, you know, in the basement and then kind of it getting bigger and bigger and making it for, you know, the entire neighborhood, you know, when I was in high school and stuff, I'd do these elaborate haunted, well, they were haunted trails, they were outside, but I would write scripts and, you know, cast it all and build sets. And my mother would sell the tickets and my father would take the chain off the chainsaw and he would, (laughs) he would be the finale guy. And, you know, and we, and that was my first real taste of producing and show Uh business and writing and directing. So long story short, uh, Halloween was huge in my family and my upbringing. I love that. Was your dad as into it or was he just lovely and supportive? Well, here's the thing. I was such a weirdo and so gay <laughs> and so dark and into everything spooky. You know, I was definitely, um, you know, an Adams family kid. If, the, mm-hmm. you know, if, there, if one was a big flamer and <laughs> I, um, think that it was actually one of the things that my father could kind of bond with me oh. over. Like, I think he enjoyed it. He understood it. He's a CPA. He's, he's a Republican, you know, like we didn't necessarily have tons in common, but he did get into, he understood my spirit for sh- liking showmanship and the haunted houses. So to this day, I have a haunted attraction company in San Francisco and um, you know, I, my dad won't fly out. Uh, I grew up in Maryland, so he won't fly out for my big, you know, drag shows at the Castro Theater um, and those events. But he has flown out more than once to see my immersive haunted attraction. So, oh. you know, still he he's into that part of my, I you know. I love that. I also yeah. relate so hard is me and my dad, like, I would say 90% of what we relate to is through horror. And I don't say that with any sadness in my heart. It's, right. it's more than enough, you know? <laughs> and yeah, it's better than nothing. I mean, I have friends way better than who, you know, have, yeah. have nothing in common with either parent or whatever. Oh, yeah. And we sort of discovered horror together. Like, he was never into it. And then I was really fascinated with it. And my mom wouldn't let me rent it. So we would on the weekends. And that's how we sort of bonded. So yeah, that's great. And horror, very cute. Um, what was your, like, what's your most favorite Halloween costume, you know, from oh. when you were a kid? I had to be Dracula every year for, oh, that's classic. I don't know, yeah, 10 years. And there was this lady 
that had like was always dressed up as a really scary witch. And I remember if, if I'm a vampire, like it's sort of like rock, paper, scissors, like vampires beat witches, I will be fine. And every year I would try to go to her house and she'd like see me coming and I would panic and not be able to do it. So oh, shout wow. out to that lady. I wonder if she really was a witch. What if oh, it was my mom? Oh my God. What if it was you? <laughs> That's true. The, the witch clan. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was my fave. Did you have like a best Halloween of your life? No, not really. I will say this about it. Um, I think that when you grow up a kid who loves Halloween and drag and, you know, October is your, you know, mm-hmm. uh, your, your, your pro- that's my pride month, I guess. You know, my really happy month oh, is October. Okay. But when you make a career out of it accidentally and then find yourself you know overextended and overbooked it's like halloween went halloween season went from being my favorite most fun time of the year to my most stressful overbooked you know sleep deprived um mm-hmm. you know workaholic season so oh my god that's so uh, monkey's paw it kind of yeah you know and so now i'm kind of, I, i'm a uh, post pandemic um you know one of the things about the pandemic that uh was sort of uh, good for me, I guess, is just sort of saying, hey, I like this life where I don't work all the time. I think maybe I need to have more of a live-work balance. And, what? Um, I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, this, it's a thing. So no, even even with this coming October, um, you know, I'm just kind of uh, designing my life so that, yes, it'll be a lot of work, but I also think I'm going to enjoy it more because I'm not going to overdo it. Yeah, you deserve to have a spooky season. I believe yeah. that with all my heart. And I, I also find it's sort of like what other people go through with birthdays or weddings where like they build it up and there's like a real fear of it not going right. I have that with spooky season. Like October 3rd, I'm already a little depressed that it's almost <laughs> over. Wow. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah, I, that's where I, I'm at. I, no, I, I hear you. I relate. I get it. What do you think um, the relationship between Halloween and drag is? You kind of touched on it and we hear about it in the wild, but I was wondering if you have a, an answer. Well, I mean, everyone calls Halloween, well, not everyone, but a lot of people call Halloween gay Christmas. <laughs> and I think a big part of that is that we as kids, I mean, I was shamed for being a sissy for being effeminate for being girl-like as a as a little boy right so you know you kind of stuff those feelings down and I was drawn to theater I was drawn to drama I wanted to wear costumes I wanted to you know express myself and I think Halloween was this one time of the year where you kind of got this free pass you know uh to 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 sort of put on a costume and you know, for me, especially because I liked spooky stuff, it was just everything. I used to think that I was super unique in this regard, but we know now lots of queer people love oh, horror. Yeah. Lots oh, yeah. of queer people love dark stuff and goth stuff and weird stuff and love Halloween. And so it makes sense to me because it's like, you know, Christmas, um, while lovely for a lot of people, it's also centered around family and tradition and religion. Halloween is centered around, you know, fucking witches and darkness and dressing up, you know, mm-hmm. and doing drag. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is gay Christmas. And being slutty. That's a huge part of it. Slu- oh, yeah, that, that, is a, that is a big part of it, which is, a, and let's face it, that's a big part of being gay. So, A oh, huge part of being gay. 
And, <laughs> and thank God, like we're so yeah. lucky that we get that with less shame than the other half. It's true. And you know, Halloween, honestly, as far as relationships to drag go, uh, now, this wasn't the case for me, but I know for a lot of drag queens, it's it's sort of a, a the gateway drag or gateway yes. drug to drag yes. is uh, Halloween. You know, the, the, these guys put on, you know, a costume for the first time and, and you know, they say, oh, I'm going to be Dolly Parton for Halloween. Isn't that isn't that hilarious? And then, you know, it's time <laughs> like, to take off the costume and it's like, these tits <laughs> are, they're going back on next weekend. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. That's yeah. actually where I was nudging you. I wanted you to give me that answer. And yeah, then you okay. did. Yeah. So thank you. All right. Enough about Halloween in general. Yeah. Halloween horror. Do we have favorite sure. Halloween horror movies specifically? The answer can be no. Well, I mean, it's going to sound so cliched, but it, it it is my favorite Halloween movie, which is Halloween, you know, and <sighs> and it's kind of like, how can it not be? Yeah, not cliche. <laughs> Classique, not cliche. Yeah, it's, 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 it is, it, it, you know, if, if, if Halloween horror is a genre, then the, the movie, John Carpenter's Halloween is the Citizen Kane, you know, it is, it is the, the yep. pinnacle, you know, oh. um. And yeah, and 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 Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode is who is you know, <laughs> you know, but like talk about the ultimate final girl. I mean, it just you know, it's a perfect film. It's it, it and, is yeah. I joke, but not joke that I believe pop culture was invented in 1978. Like nothing happened before, except for I guess Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you like want it to. Right. But it started with Halloween. That's it. There was no media before that. It I, definitely did, changed everything. That's yeah. for sure. When did Kate Bush come out? It must have been around then. She, oh, early eighties, maybe late seventies. Yeah, I think late seventies. Okay, well then she, then maybe her too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween, incredible franchise. The first movie, truly beautiful, really captures that sense of suburban horror, which Halloween is all about. Yes. Um. Know what I? Okay, I hope this is racist. I love that Europe doesn't really understand Halloween. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, oh they... yeah, no, I I didn't even I didn't. I'm so you know <laughs> stupid American, and and grew up thinking that you know everyone mm-hmm. loves what we love. That yeah. you know when I when I started leaving the country for the first time, I, I was so shocked that like, they, they didn't understand Halloween. Yeah, they you're want right. to. I feel like yeah. they, they like they do want to understand it, but they don't. They like. They like they elevate like the whole slasher scream element, and they don't really understand like the harvest nostalgia cornucopia vibe. And the example that I love to give is you're gay, so hopefully you understand. Did you the second Aqua album that nobody listened to but the gays had a song called Halloween on it, and they just do not understand the holiday. And I really recommend it to anyone listening. Listen to oh. Aqua's Halloween; it's very funny. I will have to check that out. Yeah, I think. I think you're completely right. Um, <laughs> I do. I will say this: in the you know many years that now I've been traveling for work, they are definitely moving more aggressively to do something for Halloween. Good. Um, they they you know haunted attractions now have exploded all over the UK, finally and Germany, and yeah. So they but you know I mean how late are they with all that? You know, so oh, you're right. It's like they don't. You're completely right. They. They have this sort of modern take on it without yeah. any of the classic finesse. Yes. Yeah. It's all about the vibe. It's about it yeah. being 1996. You're like in the country at like a grocery store and there's weird decorations up and there's like a weird uncanny vibe. And that's what Halloween is. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any favorite 
Halloween like TV specials or like TV episodes? Is there anything uh, that comes Well, to I mean, for just sheer kitsch factor, I would say the Paul Lind Halloween special um, with Kiss and Margaret Hamilton. You know, it's it's 70s kitsch galore. I mean, and you would think <laughs> almost that they, they did it intentionally and you can watch it online. Okay. Um, it's like that old style televised variety show like the Sonny and Cher show, but it's uh-huh. Paul Lind who's the gayest mm-hmm. of gay, oh, yeah. you know, way back then. And that, I mean, just the fact that he has Margaret Hamilton, you know, uh, and uh, Witchy Poo from H.R. Puff and stuff, which these probably are all references. The one hope, reference but, I know. don't understand is that last one. Witchy Poo, I, I'd like yeah, to know yeah, more yeah. about it. Can you just give me a quick rundown on oh, what yeah. Witchy Poo is? Yeah, so H.R. Puff and stuff was a, a children's TV show um, created by uh, Sid Croft. And it was almost like being on acid or something. Like there were these <laughs> giant, you know, Muppet puppets and a boy with a talking flute and you know magical creatures and Mm -hmm. it was just very trippy and very wild and there's this great character um a witch and her name her name in the show was witchy poo and actually Mm -hmm. the actress who played her um died last year during the pandemic um so yeah but she was definitely a, a a kooky old witch um and you 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 know definitely check check witchy poo out check oh i will hr puff and stuff out her name was billy hayes and uh she passed away last year um but this paul lind halloween special just the fact that he had these people on oh my god it's so amazing it's i guess that would be my favorite halloween i mean it sounds show. incredible so i have to find it you yeah. had me at kiss yeah kiss Truly. is part of it that's that's it that's enough and florence henderson tim conway i mean it's it's uh oh betty white is in it It, it's like really it it needs to be seen to be believed i cannot wait to watch it this halloween yeah um i'm gonna say for my answer is going to be uh my best friend emily got me one year for halloween like the DVD collection of every Roseanne Halloween special. This exists. Oh, wow. Yes. And that's going to be my answer. Cause they have literally for every season, they did a Halloween episode and they were, I all did incredible. not know that Yeah, she's Halloween obsessive. So you can get, so, so they marketed and packaged just yes, the official, Halloween specials. Just the Halloween specials. And there's I like eight of them. That. I'm going to yes. check that out. Okay, oh, yeah. so you're going to watch Paul Lind, and I'm going to watch the Roseanne one. You know what they should do is they should do that same thing, and they probably already have, but with The Simpsons, because that was always, you know, another great. Uh, well, I was literally, that was next one on my docket, was I was going to say favorite Treehouse of Horrors segment, or like, what's a segment that comes to you when you, when you, when you think Treehouse of Horrors, what, what, what appears? In your mind's eye. Oh God, uh, that's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll edit out these pauses, so it's going to sound. <laughs> you're going to sound so off the cuff. You're going to sound like literally improv. Queen. Well, I mean, of course, I uh, yeah, I love parodies to horror movies. Oh, yeah. So probably the the more, and I'm obsessed obsessed with Let's Poltergeist. Oh. So um, probably maybe their Poltergeist Amityville I don't horror there one. Being a- Poltergeist. Oh yes, I think yes, I do. There was where they move yeah. into like a scary house and then they yes. they scare them on the, the, the ghosts kind of. Yeah. Yes, and That's also the Nightmare one. on Elm Street one. Yes, uh, with that one, I was obsessed yeah. with growing up. That one, yeah. Anything, anything, Freddy. I was. I, I needed to be obsessed with because. What 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 is yours? Okay, um, this is not a good one, but because I'm so obsessed with, I know what you did last summer. 
they mm-hmm. they do a flounder like a flanders i know you did last summer parody at one point and i have to say that's up there for me the shinning is a good one the shinning is the other one that i really really <laughs> remember and there's one that's really truly unhinged and grotesque where all the teachers at the school like start making all the children like they start eating all the children <laughs> it's like they chop them up oh, and, like, wow it's really brutal and disgusting and i i i am obsessed with it love that i'm thank you i appreciate okay so yeah. well next up and we've already touched on it but i'm coming back around okay michael myers halloween franchise obviously the first one's incredible i want to dig a little deeper okay yeah sure in if we, okay would you say the first one's your favorite yes absolutely okay, well, by far give me another one what what of the sequels are are you near and dear well, I love the aesthetic to Season of the Witch because <laughs> it's so it's so wild answer. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so um well, I feel like it's very Halloween, like the at the holiday with the masks and the shamrock song and um and I love the nostalgia for the 80s uh that it brings up, but I would agree with people and they they talk about this in in I think in, on that documentary in Search of Darkness where you know it, it bombed because it really had no business being in the Halloween franchise. Yeah, people were right. Yes. Like it had it had nothing to do with oh, Michael Myers nothing. or the franchise and I would agree with that. Like um so I think the reason I like it now is because I have nostalgia for it, you know, and mm-hmm. I did watch it as a kid growing up. Um Me and too. and then um beyond that I would I do like Halloween too. You know, so I guess Thank you. Thank you know, you. I guess I I'm one of those people I've heard people say, "Oh, Halloween 2 is not very good." It's like oh, I, I love it. I love it. I really enjoy it. I mean, is it as good as Halloween? No, but you know, it's still it's great. It's a different thing. I it's I'm obsessed with Halloween too. When I was younger, it was I liked it more. Now that I'm older and wiser, I understand that that's disgusting and unacceptable. But I love <laughs> I love hosp- hospital horror really does it for me. Yes. Um are, are you a Buffy fan? No, sadly. Never mind it. You know what? I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna grace you with this. Well, here's the thing. I'm not not a fan. I shouldn't answer that. No, you clearly are not not a fan. I, I, I. It's not that I've watched Buffy and decided I don't like it. In fact, a ton of people have convinced me that i would love buffy i it's just need late. to sit down and watch it no yeah, i think late. it is too late yeah. it is too late yeah it's too late yeah um and i think less of you and that's okay um <laughs> what did you think of the of the recent reboot halloween 2018 oh gosh oh the reboot i thought we were going to talk about the rob zombie one i mean okay. we can <laughs> okay so i i have thoughts about both okay uh, let's, let's um, hear them if you have time i have time sure okay so i'll start with the rob zombie uh, reboots or I guess remakes. Mm-hmm. Um, not a fan, and <laughs> no, you, you no. know, and, and I I like Rob <laughs> Zombie as an icon. Me I too. like the the music. I actually really like House of a Thousand Corpses. In fact, how could you what, not? You know, I love it. And the 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 brilliant cinematographer from that film actually is the the cinematographer from my feature film, and it was Incredible. one of the things that we you know bonded over was me talking about you know working with Rob Zombie and What's I admire name? Rob Zombie. Tom Richmond is his cool. name, very talented DP, and um, I uh, and I quite like The Devil's Rejects. Um, <sighs> and so I it's it, so it's it, this is my problem with the remake mostly, um, and we we touched on it a little bit. You you brought it up. Halloween, the the original Halloween, I think what makes it so um, titillating is Mm. that it is um, set in affluent white 
America, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or upper middle class. Like the, these, these white people clearly have a nice life. They don't have to lock their doors. They come home, you know, from it looks like a, an evening out and they're, you know, spoiled kid has just, you know, brutally murdered his sister. Right. So he's evil. And mm-hmm. I like that that's where the torture starts. That's that's where the fear begins, that this is this is something born out of um, uh, privilege. And with Rob's remake, it's like it's that cliched, tired idea that poor people are dangerous. And we've seen it so much. It's like he he made the kid's mother, you know, like a sex worker, a dancer. The, the kid lives in a trailer. You know, it's like all these cliches about poor people. And it just, mm-hmm. to me, it was like, this is not that interesting. Like, I, I really like the idea that Michael Myers is of the suburban, you know, upper middle class and was mm-hmm. born in this culture and, you know, that evil yeah. can lurk in these and, Yeah, it wasn't places. made. It was, there wasn't trauma there that exactly. we know of, right? Exactly. He, he's just the devil's eyes. So that's really my biggest problem with it more than anything. And I like that. Yeah. You're, you're making it about, cl- I don't think anyone's ever like done that much of a, of a take on Rob Zombies. So I think you did it justice. Well, he's obsessed with poor people. I mean, and, yeah. and I'm not saying that that's a problem. I mean, other directors I love, John Waters clearly, you know, is kind of obsessed with poor people, especially in his early films. Um, but I think when, w- with Rob, there's sort of this idea of them being dangerous, you know, <laughs> that, that goes hand in hand with this, you know, this idea of what it's like to be poor and it's like eh, no not so much you know yeah it's it's a little problematic and also it's, just, it's so much less scary i, I it's agree cliched too it's tired yeah. yeah and also like it's so not poor people but that film it's just like so just not fun it's not fun it's, it's not just like, brutal it's gross yeah, um agreed. i think Octavia the Spencer, one, oh my god yeah. it's even worse <laughs> i prefer the second one just because of how unhinged it is <laughs> yeah maybe because it's like this it's, is how much we don't give a shit yeah this is yes and i, I like w- the later game sequels that are like absolutely unnecessary terrible and right. I, the second one had that energy a little bit well the first one was so serious agreed. anyways they're both terrible i hate them both um right. and I, I also I, yeah I don't love the reboot either. Sorry. Me neither. And mm, I went into God. it. I went into it so hopeful. I mean, <sighs> oh. I am a diehard Jamie Lee Curtis fan. So my, you know, my, um, I guess, expectations admittedly were very, very high. And I thought maybe we were going to get back into, um, I don't know, like that the, the universe that the first movie yeah, had, yeah, yeah. had sort feel. of created where, you know, let's face it. One of the reasons it's so effective is because Laurie Strode and the women in that film um, feel very real. They, yes. they feel, you know, very centered in, in reality. Whereas this reboot, it's like, wait, what? we're now it like, she's Sarah Connor. From yeah. Terminator it doesn't 2. make any sense. <laughs> I think it's Deborah Hill. I think she oh, was on maybe. set yeah. and she like, ensured that these girls were girls and not yeah. weird like male gaze versions that's so interesting i hadn't thought of that but you're right i mean deborah hill obviously you know someone really i i hope there's going to be a big deborah hill you know documentary because yes. you know what it's clear that deborah hill had a magic touch and really worked you know um uh in a way where her participation affected the outcome of the film and was a great producer. And yeah, it's like, 
I don't know that reboot. And I, I love, I mean, I know actually Judy Greer. I love Judy. I was really rooting for the movie to be great. Not only did I not buy Loris, Laurie Strode as the Terminator, you know, um, <laughs> uh, Sarah Connor or whatever. Um, I also didn't buy any of the kids. Like no, they weren't, the they, they were awful. I didn't like them. And I mean, I love the teens in the first Halloween. You really root for them. They're, yeah, they're, they're you cute. Know, you know, and, what is it about some writers where they can really write for young people in a way that makes us like them? And then others who just can't, like there wasn't a likable teen in that Halloween reboot, you know, because it's made by straight men. Where's Kevin Williamson? Get Maybe him back. that's it. I don't know. But like, I have to say, I was really impressed with um, that first. I haven't seen the whole trilogy, but I was impressed with the first fear street. Yes, uh, me too. Because I was like, Okay, I'm not. I don't. I don't find it scary. I wasn't scared watching it, um, but I was really sad when certain kills happened. You know, like <laughs> when the you know uh, the fabulous bread slicer kill. It was like so Wait, grateful for that kill. I yeah. I'm I'm feeling something for her. Yes, I and it's like been a long. Her. Yeah, yes. this is. But they did. And when the boy gets it in the head, it's like yes. you're shocked. I was you don't shocked. expect it. You know, no. it, it, it subverts your expectations, which is beautiful. I will tell you, the second two are better. They're even okay. better. The All first right. well, one is I, I, good. But I will better. continue then. Yeah, I kind of was yeah. saving it a little bit. And it's queer and it's made by a woman. This is this is the horror that we need. This is what I want. Well, that is, I mean, yes, good point. <laughs> because we are at this place where uh, more of us have a seat at the table. And like I said, I've been in the horror game for a long, long time. I mean, you know, uh, when I was literally the only openly queer person, you know, at a horror film festival. And I say that and it's like, no, it really is true. Like, you know, uh, or the only drag queen within, you know, miles of a horror convention or whatever. <laughs> and it started to feel like nobody wants me here. I mean, there were, of course, people that were into it, you know, and, and often I would be there like with Elvira or whoever. And, you know, it was just so funny to me that for those men that were really hanging on to that genre and had kind of dominated it as a sort of a macho boys club thing. Um, I was a threat, you know, they didn't yeah. like the idea that I was going to maybe camp up their horror in a way they didn't like. And um, the tables mm-hmm. uh, have turned, you know, like finally we have women uh, at the table. We have black folks at the table. We have, you know, international horror films being, you know, celebrated and queer people making horror movies. And it's like, such a, an exciting time to be a horror fan again. I couldn't agree more. But at the end of the day, all I want is another Freddy movie. Give me a Freddy movie. Okay, so Freddy's <laughs> my favorite. That's what I, I need. Yeah, I love, love, love Freddy. I would Isn't... love another Freddy movie. Um, but? But uh, I will say this. As a Freddy-obsessed fan um, who, you know, grew up with Freddy and worshiped Freddy. There was a point in the franchise where he jumped the shark so hard (laughs) that if they do another Freddy movie, I'm going to be pretty anal about, you know, like, can we please bring Freddy back from, you know, dream warriors and, you know, before, not I, Freddy from the TV series or the oh you know the, the MTV you know television I, commercials. I would love to do a podcast dedicated to Freddy's nightmares. So if anyone's listening and wants to invest, <laughs> I'm yeah, you waiting. Should. Yeah, one of these days. I hear Spectre Vision, uh, Elijah Woods Horror Company, has a pitch for a new Freddy, and I'm absolutely all ears. Also, um, Robert England at one point said they were thinking about remaking the third. Have you heard about this? 
Really? So yeah. Oh, well, I, I mean, so Dream Warriors was my, my sort of, uh, I don't know, like saw it when it came out, you know, I was too young to see it. I was in like seventh or eighth grade, saw it at the cinema. And it was like that thing where it was like, holy shit, this is the, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's changed my life. You know, I'm fully obsessed. I mean, now again, I was one of many, many kids who was turned on to that movie and turned on to Freddie. Um, and it would be interesting if they do, um, a remake because so many of us were obsessed with dream warriors, you know, could it capture the magic, you know, and some remakes, you know, some reboots I do like, I'm not one of those people who's like, you can't remake anything, you know? Oh yeah. The thing, my God. Oh, please. Give me me remakes. Good and bad. I I want them all, but yeah. Well, here's my question to you. What's interesting about nightmare is do it now because Robert you know, with the makeup could still play him. He could, you know, it. you know, yeah. it's like, he might, I mean, you know, he might have to um, go on a diet or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. what he, you know what he looks like these days, but Hey, that's doable. You know, it actors is. do it all the time. You know, it's like Harrison Ford is playing fucking Indiana Jones again. Freddy Krueger <laughs> isn't going to look any different, you know, no. with the makeup on. No. So, um, I mean, listen, did you not see him on that episode of the Goldbergs? <laughs> they brought him. I they... did. I did. Yeah. And he looked great. He did look great. It didn't look yeah. the same, but he did look great. Yes. Yeah. It has to be him. Truly. Yeah. Although, uh, Jackie O'Haley was not the problem with the remake. And that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. You know, it's funny. This, the male lead in all about evil, Thomas Decker left oh. the set of all about evil to go do uh, the remake, the yeah. remake. So I was getting, you know, Intel while it was happening because, you know, I was like, Thomas, I need to know everything. I'm obsessed. I'm oh, obsessed. God. And then I went to see the, the movie with Thomas. Oh, cool. So awkward because oh. I couldn't, hide it afterwards you know and thomas okay so what did you think what did you think and thomas knew what i was gonna think like thomas and and thomas i I shouldn't even be talking for him on your podcast do it uh but let me just say this i think thomas predicted what was gonna happen you know he had already warned me that i wasn't going to like it you know if you catch my if you catch my drift right he's not done um, he was he was pretty uh, aware, and when we went to see it together, he had already seen it, so it wasn't like he was seeing it for the first time. And, um, so he was like looking at me afterwards, and he said, "Oh my god, you really hated it, didn't you?" And I said, yeah. "You know, it's that thing where when you love something so much, yeah, it's like uh, it's better for me to just ignore it in a way." And he yes. was like, "Okay, I understand that." I was like, "It's be- I don't even think we should talk about it because I'm going to get all worked." <laughs> up you know <laughs> and um and I, understandable. Yeah. yeah and i um and i felt the same way but i never went to see poltergeist because i i knew you know i just i cared about i care about poltergeist so much it was an abomination it was what yeah. it was probably and i'm not I, don't, I like poltergeist but it's not my number one right it was i think maybe one of the worst remakes i'd ever seen so don't watch <laughs> it stay yeah. away that would be a good one to remake well though or make them to like an yeah, hbo I series mean, who cares something uh, I really like these remakes where they take what was maybe um, a great idea, but it didn't quite have the budget or, you know, a great idea, but it wasn't made into a great film. You know, I loved um, Romero's, the remake of The Crazies. Oh, it was I good. Thought, oh, it was fabulous. And I loved, actually liked the Wes Craven um, Hills Have Eyes reboot. That they oh, yeah, did. that was great, too. Aja. That was fabulous. Yes. Uh, he, what a, Aja, what a tra- Aja from Drag Race directed that. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. He's, uh, she's also a French uh, horror Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. From yeah. the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, that was brutal. The second one yeah. was also truly gross. Um, and I loved them both. And I thought, this is really smart because Wes Craven, obviously, what a visionary genius, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, 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 and Wes advised on it, right? So it's like, he he basically said, I didn't have the money to do X, Y, Z. You have the budget now. You should do it this way. And they did. And uh, I think that those are the more interesting, you know, remakes. Uh, you know, The Fly, you know, taking that sort of concept from a 50s schlocky B movie and then turning it into, you know, a Cronenberg masterpiece. Those are really interesting remakes. Absolutely. I like all the remakes that you're liking are from before the remake trend. These are like the yeah. occasional remakes that would come out every once in a while. But this was before like the 2000s booms. I do have an exception to that, though. Oh, give it. I actually, and I love the original. Like it's one of my, you know, I worship, worship, worship it. Uh, but I actually did enjoy the the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Oh, it's good. I, me and my dad actually walked out of it because it was it was too scary. But I oh, have wow. watched it many times since, and it yeah. is it's great. It's brutal, 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 brutal though. Yeah. Um, I also think it started the trend of like horror heroines wearing cute, pristine little tank tops because you had that in that movie. You had it in House of Wax. You had it in Wrong Turn. You're gonna start noticing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna write an article about it. So, and I loved House of Wax. I liked I, that <laughs> that whole William Castle period. You know, where they oh did my god, or, oh, I I talk about it all the time. I need to start a Dark Castle cast because I yeah. am obsessed with Dark Castle, not the originals, but the remakes. Right? Yeah, Thirteen Ghosts, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, um, even Orphan, I guess, was pretty good. Oh, and then Orphan, the, yes amazing incredible god i love that that's another one kind of like trick-or-treat where (laughs) i i saw it and not enough of my friends had seen it so i sort of delighted in you know hosting little you know screenings of it i it it, that ending is still shocking we're still talking about that ending to this day and i you can't take that away from that movie yeah for sure it's one of those movies that you, you talk about it because of the ending is there anything else that's like Oh yeah, Sleepaway Camp. That's that ending is def- that movie's defined by that ending. Well, yes, and that yeah, that one I've actually done you know events for. I mean, I, how could you not have? Yeah, and I, you know that protested <laughs> I, I, from the good side and the bad side. They both have arguments right, for right, that right. one. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm desperate to do an episode on uh, the fourth movie. There was Sleepaway Camp Four called The Survivor. Have you heard about this? Um, no. Yeah, it's very obscure. So they they filmed... So the sequels to Sleepaway Camp were, you know, hardly films, basically. They were, like, very low budge. And they were making a fourth, and halfway through, they just scrapped the production for whatever reason. And eventually, down the line, they, like, edited it together and sort of released it. And it's just the hottest mask you'll ever find. It also has an amazing poster if you ever need to Google it. Oh, oh, oh. And Felissa Rose is in this one. No, I believe that's even later down the line. They they, oh, they okay. brought her back. This was like still in the nineties. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Sleepaway Camp Four, The Survivor. If you're out there and you've seen it, you know. Oh, no, you're I'm cool. looking at it. It's oh, you're looking. It's the. It's funny. It's uh, called the 
Sleepaway for the Survivor. I love the poster. Isn't it so good? Yeah, and it's it's considered the fifth installment, but the fourth chronologically. Oh, wow. my goodness. This Yeah, to be fair, I only really remember the first two. Yeah, I remember seeing the second one not long ago and being, like, really shocked by the transphobia in it. The first one, like, the transphobia was yeah, there, the tra- but... Well, it's oh. a different kind of thing. Like, the first one... Well, the first one's kind of almost more homophobic. Like, yeah. you know, the whole yeah. idea, like, um, this this all was set into motion, really, when um, the shock of, of, of someone's gay father, you know, set this... Uh, I know. ...boat into a boating disaster. Like, what a weird opening sequence. Yes. That is impossible Wild. to understand. Impossible to understand. And this, like, idea, this anti-main character, you know... And R.I.P., yeah, R.I.P. recently as well. But yeah, I'm shocked that that was. I, I really thought that was a drag queen. Really, even as a child. Well, the performance, my God, yeah, of but course, incredible. It's so good. But yeah, you're right. Like the second one, the second one, I actually think is just more like that kind of gross, blatant transphobia. Yeah, and, and the, you know, yeah, the first yeah. five minutes, they were like, and they chopped off her dick, and now she's a tranny killing everyone. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> calm down. I'm but then it's kind of great. Oh, it's incredible. She and is she's killing them all. <laughs> <laughs> she really is. Yeah. Um, and she's living her best life. I good for her. That's yeah, a, that's exactly. a, that's a good for her subgenre right there. Right. Um, I'm gonna be really boring and I'm just gonna give us a little bit of history on Trick or Treat One. Um okay. just because I think we need it. We just we got yeah. it. So the first film, Trick or Treat, actually started off as a animated short in 1996 called Seasons Greetings. It's online. I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, it was on a DVD extra. We were talking about how it was made in 2007, but it didn't get released. Uh, Warner Brothers buried it. And the reason for that is because they didn't, they, they were too spooked to market a horror anthology. Like they didn't know what to do with it. So they made this big budget horror movie and then sat on it for two years and then just dropped it on DVD which is just so disrespectful. So weird. It's so I weird. Know. I still I still feel like there's more to that story we don't know. Oh, of course. I'm like that doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like what do you mean you don't know how to We the, the, uh, horror anthologies have been marketed successfully for decades now. Like, Absolutely they come have. Come on. What's Do you have weird? favorite horror anthologies? You mentioned Creepshow, how could you not? And uh, and okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. But when people talk about Creepshow, I feel like their favorite segment is never Father's Day. And it always shocks me because it's such the standout to me. Well, I mean, it, so my favorite segment of Creepshow, the first one, probably is Father's Day. Thank Delia And yeah, I mean, it's Where's just... my cake? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's flawless. But my favorite segment <laughs> actually is from part two. Oh, I know where um, you're going. Yeah, so it's Thanks for the Ride, Lady. So, oh, that's not where I thought you were going at really? all. Oh, that's <laughs> my favorite, yeah. <laughs> that's so the, funny. The Good for you. That is, that is not... That is that is not a common favorite. So I, oh, I really I, celebrate that as your favorite. I just love that it's playing on I mean it's like it's 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 uh oh my god a, a Karen movie, you know, from back <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. day, you know, like way back when, like this racist bitch, you know, <laughs> thinks she can get away with this shit. And yeah, it's it's pretty audacious. In fact, the second it's one is wild. very is very woke in a way. You know, you've got the Native American killer. I mean, I love the raft. Don't get me wrong. Um, I thought that you were going to say the raft because it's so clearly the standout. No offense. The, it is. It is definitely. Well, I'll say this: the raft is definitely, from a filmmaker's perspective, the superior 
segment for sure uh-huh. but because of what <laughs> because of the camp and the audaciousness of the thanks for the ride lady <laughs> it's wild that is why i like it yeah oh it's good i no disrespect i i i'm truly shocked by that answer and i really like it it always <laughs> kind of remind me a little bit of large marge from peewee's right. adventure totally. um yeah like scary lady hitchhiker movies i could use more of them for sure. Um, and the, and, and I don't know, the, the, the first segment with, like, the cigar store statue, I don't know. I don't know. Kind of boring. Yeah. It's boring. And, like, is it racist? Or did you say it was woke? Can you give me a well, reminder of why my, that is? My idea is just that it's, like, the whole theme of those of both of those is, like, terrorize whitey. You know? <laughs> um, which, oh, that's a you great know. subgenre. But but maybe maybe and maybe I'm overlooking the fact that yes there is intrinsically um, racist tropes at play here yeah, uh, yeah. You know, in order for I that mean, to work you know I mean it's not I've never seen those tropes in action before so you know right. I, there's an argument to be made I'm really when I feel like a lot of people have one form of violence that they like cannot watch in movies like a friend of mine cannot watch eyeball stuff it really freaks her out uh-huh. for me for me. It's um, scalpings. I cannot. Oh, it's, interesting. I yes, and I. So every time I watch that, I, I, I'm like, there's a scalping in here somewhere, and I'm always on edge. And can I tell you why I was traumatized by scalpings? Absolutely, it's because of the movie Nurse Betty with Renee Zellweger. Do you remember? Really, this movie? I do yes. remember. I remember the movie. I don't actually remember if I saw it or not. In the middle of it, there's just like a super realistic scalping out of nowhere. And I was a child and I was like, this is not right for me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's where that comes from. Do you have anything that like you just go green when it happens in movies? For Strangely enough, it's stuff with like fingernails. So oh. like if they're ever going to dig under people's fingernails <laughs> or pull them no. off or something Those like are... that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you ever watch Masters of Horror? The Oh, yes. Mick yeah. Harris. There was mm-hmm. um, an Asian horror segment that did some horrifying fingernail torture, and I forget what oh, it was called. Oh, yeah. Imprint, and that's a, th- that's a thing in Asian horror, actually. The movie Audition does it, gets, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, does they it? Do. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've never watched Audition, and I don't, I'm not sure I ever will. It's really good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I believe you. I believe yeah. you. Um, I just, you know, I I am a bit squeamish with the grotesque. Like, because I love horror, I will put up with it, but sometimes it's too yeah, much. Yeah, that's you know me. it's funny my partner when we met it was kind of like, you know, I'm I'm saying to him like do you like horror movies and he says no and I'm thinking <gasps> oh my god like you know wow. but but he was very I was very attracted to him and okay. you know just I, I enjoyed him so much so I was like over time kind of you know, showing him different things. And he was like, Oh, I love that. Or I love the others, or I love this, or, you know, and then, and then he'd watch something that I loved and he'd be like, Oh, that was great. So what I realized is what he doesn't like is torture, you know? So, you know, he won't watch a saw. He won't watch probably like a hostel necessarily. Even even grosser. Yeah. But, um, so, so I realized like, Oh yeah, that I can deal with, but you know, you, you need to learn that when you say you don't like horror, you don't really mean it because you do like all these other movies, you know. Yeah, they, they don't know what they're talking about. They need, he to, they need the no. education. He's clueless. They, they are. The, the boys, they don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, every boyfriend I've ever had, I've like, I, I've had to give a horror education to and it's part of the journey. I think that if you asked him now, well, here's the other thing that it, he, he, he and I grew up so differently. He's actually from Turkey. 
he, mm. you know, I, when I met him, he had only been living in the United States for like a year and a half. You know, English is his second language. He grew up with a totally different pop culture universe mm-hmm. than I did. And so what's kind of been lovely is him showing me stuff and me learning and li- liking, you know, music he grew up listening to cool. now and vice versa. And like, he loves Freddy Krueger now. You nice. know, he totally, you know, so it, it was kind of a fun way to sort of court each other, you know, and. Um, now, if you asked him, do you like horror movies? I think he'd probably say yes. I mean, he wa- works on my haunted attraction. Like, he's really into it, you know. It just, you have to be exposed to it. You know, exactly. it's like gay people. Once you know one, you're less upset. <laughs> right? That's right. Horror fans need to come out of the closet. Yes. Yeah. And you have to expose them to the safe nice horror that's exactly. the gateway horror one would say poltergeist is a good is a good well even i am like not a fan you know i don't need to see martyrs again i was just you know, gonna say yeah french yeah. horror is a no-go I, i'm not really you know that's um, not really my thing and it seems like in 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 our world in our horror community there is this sort of um almost almost like uh people uh pat themselves on the back for liking these these hardcore horror movies and oh, almost look do. down on camp you know and it's like fuck you you know yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah. mean evil dead 2 is a masterpiece you know oh absolutely but you know yeah. what and so is evil dead 1 and it 1 is. is a straightforward horror well i mean yeah. not really but it is um, it's much it is. darker yeah it's, i it's, love it yeah, yeah. i always oscillate between which one i like more and every every year it's it's a new answer the answer is never army of darkness because that's just a xena episode which right. has its place in the world but it does but, you know i will say movie. this this is uh not a remake. It has nothing to do with anything other than it was a return to form. We can call it that. But I loved Drag Me to Hell. Oh, my God. You know, it's loved of it. Of course. Yeah. Drag Me to Hell. I don't think it it gets love, but it could have more love. Just like Alison Lohman. Where are you, yeah. Alison Lohman? Are yeah, you okay? Like, can I help you? Like, do you need something? Like, right. Exactly. I know. It's so good. And it's, yeah, it's like, it was like a girlier or like more female focused Evil Dead sort of energy. Yeah. God, that was that's a perfect movie. That's a five out of five. Drag me to hell. Where's yeah. the sequel though? Well, that like Trick or Treat, right? It's kind of like, okay. I mean, Trick or Treat 2 at this point seem like when you really get into the cult following that Trick or Treat has, uh, and I was in, in preparation for today's uh interview, oh. I actually read some stuff about, you know, the 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 merchandising and all of the sort of Mm -hmm. cult success that that trick-or-treat has enjoyed and it reminded me that years ago i went to this is before universal horror nights put in the trick-or-treat maze Mm -hmm. i went to uh the scare house in pittsburgh pennsylvania and they had done a deal uh with mike doherty Oh. And they integrated Trick or Treat into the Scare House. And it was amazing, like, yeah. the way they did it. It was so good. And you you went through. And, and what was nice is because the Scare House is, is an independent haunted attraction in Pennsylvania, and it's kind of hardcore, and it's it's mm. it's big, and it's it's really well done. I mean, no, no um, slight to Universal. But if you've been to Universal Halloween Horror Nights, um, how should I put this? The mazes are... You you pretty predict predictable like it, okay. it's it's kind of a there's sort of a blueprint for the way to do them and then that blueprint is kind of repeated but you insert you know Michael Myers here or whoever you know like gotcha the scares pre- kind of happen prefab, the same prefab. I I enjoy it 
But, you know, you, you uh, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this because they're big Universal Horror Night fans out there. But, like, you know what you're going to get, right? Um, yeah. What I loved about the Scarehouse one was they really um, it made it an immersive, uh, unpredictable experience where you walk <laughs> through the different worlds of Trick or Treat, you know? Oh, the different segments. Ooh. Yes, exactly. It was just great. Oh, so, my God. What was the scariest one? Well, I think from I think it was the kids on the bus because you had to walk. Yes, yes. You kind of walked yes, down yes. the bus like you oh, were in no. the bus. So the kids in the masks are like little mannequins, little dummies. But of course, you don't know which one is an actor. Oh, you know, God, so you're having nightmare. to walk the length of the bus, you know, single file. And nope. it's just terrifying because you know one of these kids is real. At least no. one of them is. Yeah, I so, hate it. Yeah. Uh, I, but I do kind of love it. I, when I was in high school, I mean, listen, you've done this a million times, but for one year I did work at a Screamers, which is sort of like a, it's like our version of that here. So and you do have haunted play. attractions up in Canada. Oh, absolutely. We do. We have two okay. major ones. One is like uh-huh. the big mainstream one. And one is like the more rickety crickety, but everyone's really passionate about it one. Right. And that's the one I was working at. Oh, that's was in the, the one I probably liked the most. Oh yeah. Yo, it's, yo, yeah. it's called Screamers. Um, and I was in the play. And so what happened is they would like be doing this like torture scene on stage and they'd be like, we need an audience member, you. And they'd like pick me uh-huh. and they'd like put me in like this thing. And the, the eventually the gist was they'd like stab me through the neck and I uh-huh. had a blood packet ready in my mouth and it would go everywhere. And then they would like tie me up and throw me backstage and girls dressed up as like vampires would untie me and we'd have a cigarette. It was really beautiful. That's great. I'm so you 11. were a ringer. Is that what is that what that is? Yeah, yeah, you're a ringer, a dead ringer. Oh, I like that. Very Cronenbergian. Yeah, cute. Yeah. Well, you were saying how Trick or Treat does still to this day have merchandising, and recently had like officially sponsored like uh, scare mazes. Yeah. So the franchise itself is sort of still in existence. It's yeah, still it out def- there. Yeah, definitely. I think amongst genre fans, like I was at, uh, I was down in LA doing something last week, maybe. And I went to Burbank to, you know, do some of the shopping on Magnolia. That's like the Gothic horror Boulevard in Burbank. And I went into a uh, Halloween town and they had multiple trick or treat t-shirts for sale, cool. um, you know, and it makes me realize like in the genre world, uh, trick or treat is definitely still, it was that good, right? Like even without a theatrical, it was that good that it, it could, you know, sort of make a dent in our in our world. And I think if they did a sequel, uh, it could be a smash hit, you know. And I also think if they did a sequel, they could release it nationally, uh, theatrically at Halloween, you know, get get all the attention it deserves, like it should have first time. And they'd be giving themselves a push because they'd be reinvigorating a franchise, meaning people who hadn't seen the first one would go back and watch the first one. It delivers. Mm -hmm. We know it delivers. Mike Doherty's a really talented filmmaker. He wants to make the sequel. He has ideas for the sequel. You know, (sighs) it's a shame. I think, you know, when Mm -hmm. I looked at your list of, um, you know, sort of options for the show and (laughs) I saw that Trick or Treat was, uh, you know, in, in development hell. 
I was like, yeah. yeah, that is the one that I would just be so psyched to see. And I like yes. Krampus, you know, I think, I did too. Um, you know, Krampus was a really, it was a, it was kind of like, it wasn't a sequel to Trick or Treat, but we did get another seasonal genre film from yes. the filmmaker. And uh-huh. I thought it delivered. I thought he did a great job, but because it was a Christmas themed movie, I wasn't maybe as excited as I would be for Trick or Treat too. Of course. Cause who cares? Christmas. No yeah. one cares. Right, and we've seen historically. Ironically, I think there's more Christmas horror themed movies than there are Halloween horror themed movies. There's no, and also, why are there no Halloween albums? Everyone has a Christmas album, right? What, where's the Halloween music? I mean, I think days. maybe you know Elvira might have put one out a while back. I mean, actually, I would be shocked if she didn't, <laughs> or like Sharon yeah. Needles, maybe. But other than those, probably, two, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any albums? Otherwise. I mean, not not that are specifically Halloween. I, I'm certainly not a singer, so anything I've put out musically has been more uh, as a joke. I like it. I mean, there's a whole Grammy uh, award comedy. For yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Honey. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I think another yeah. uh, interesting thing in thinking about your show is um, uh, it's reminded me of what a disastrous bomb Hocus Pocus was for Disney, but yes. that it took the cult, the fans, yes. to over many, many, many years prove to Disney that this was a valued property. Yes. Um, and so they dug it out literally from the vaults and started putting the witches in there. I mean, they were doing Halloween nights at the theme parks and not including the fucking Sanderson sisters. The you know, they, have a, they have a Halloween movie about witches and they were ashamed of it because it was a box office bomb. And yeah. it was the cult fans um who watched Hocus Pocus growing up as kids who then said, no, we fucking love the Sanderson sisters. We demand them. And drag queens such as myself started doing drag shows, drag parody shows. And of course, Disney's full of homosexual um, (laughs) infidels. And they, you know, um, said to their, their um, Disney masters, uh, we'd be stupid not to exploit this popularity. And now they have a, 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 an official new, sequel starring the divas coming yes. out so disney plus it there you go keep, it keeps giving disney plus and i appreciate it so the and fans so maybe, can make yeah. a difference right so it's like okay trick-or-treat fans let's let's demand it i do i do think that if you scream loud enough um that that hear you. It, it can happen i agree with that totally also now with streaming like direct to dvd used to be such like a dirty thing but going to streaming these days especially post-covid it's not necessarily so looked down upon because i think that's how hocus pocus 2 is going to happen it is so i have to tell you uh i'm very very excited because finally uh this fall all about evil my film's going to be streaming and re-released and they're doing a big push for it and i'm like i'm like oh my god it's like i get to you know a whole new generation of people get to see my movie so where's the sequel though yeah well that's a good question i do have a few projects in the works none of which are a direct sequel Mm. um because as much as i would love to bring natasha leone's character back to life (laughs) it might be difficult it's not the universe i created yeah (laughs) um but that actually would be really i mean i'll say this if natasha said i'll do it then i i would find a way to write that script well Um, she's right here and she's looking at me and giving me the cue to say no so i have to okay all right (laughs) no no can do natasha all right Um, she's thinking she's thinking okay um yeah, I I'm obsessed with all this. Well, my my final questions you kind of answered, but let's just let's hone in. 
will this get made? Are we going to see? Because also you and I have the power to actually make this happen or not happen. So right. will it get made? I, I'm asking you. What, like, oh what's your gosh. answer? Oh my gosh. It's such a great question because you would, you know, I think that the answer, my gut response is no, because if it was going to happen, it would have already happened. But then I keep, you know, so, so again, in prepping for your interview today, I've been doing more <laughs> reading and I was reading interviews with the, you know, Mike Doherty mm-hmm. uh, and he wants this to happen really yeah, badly, you know? know. And I so know. I think he, he has that level of talent where much like Sam Raimi was able to go off and do the Spider-Man movies and uh-huh. then say, okay, now I'm going to do um, Drag Me to Hell or, yeah. or the, the Wachowski siblings, you know, similarly, you know, we're able to do The Matrix and then do, you know, whatever Bound or, you know, Sense8 or something they really wanted to do. I right. think Mike Doherty could actually be the one who gets to a place where he has enough power to just basically tell them what he's going to do. Well, he's top of the world, Mr. Godzilla, man. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, if anyone has clout, it's him. But you know what? Even, even them, even those number one big shots can't always get shit like this made. It's, That's a, true. It's a, it's a wild world out there. Okay, That's so wait, true. what was your answer? You have to have a yes or a no. Was that a yes? Yes. It's a yes. <gasps> I oh, think because of Mike, I believe Mike Doherty's going to make it happen. Hell yes. Um, I'd even, even if he wants to produce it and give it to, you know, me, that's fine. I'll, I'll do it. So yeah, fine. exactly. Um, I love it. Okay. So uh, do you want to just tell us where we can find you online and like sort of what you're up to these days, if we want to follow and support? Sure. So, um, well, I have a podcast coming out called Midnight Mass, and you can go and subscribe to it now. There's a, a, a little teaser up, um, and it's it's hosted wherever you listen to your podcast. It's Midnight Mass with Peaches Christ and Michael Verratti, and the first episode actually comes out next week. So I'm excited for that. And then uh, my haunted attraction, uh, Terror Vault in San Francisco, has a new show coming out this fall called The Immortal Reckoning. And you can check that out at terrorvault.com. And then oh. for all the peaches, silliness, and drag shows, and whatever <laughs> else I have coming up, I would say follow me on social media where I'm verified. So, you know, look for She's those got little that blue check, check marks. Mark. Yeah. Uh, well, rub it in. It's fine. <laughs> One of these days. Yeah. Um, I love it. Honest to God, thank you so, so much for coming on to my cute little show. Thanks it was for having very me. You're hilarious. I really, really oh, enjoyed it. I really, stop. I'm going to, I'm going to become a subscriber and listen to you. You're very oh witty, very God. funny. Yeah, I loved it. It it, 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 it will pull through. Some of the episodes are good. What can I say? What are you going to do? We recently <laughs> did one on Guillermo del Toro's Haunted Mansion. Oh, gosh. Wow, yeah. I, w- I will definitely check that out. Yeah, please, 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 please. We need every lesson that we can. Uh, okay, well, I have up. a question about that. <gasps> At the end of the episode, did you say it was going to happen or? It's well, not? it's a it's a unique situation with the haunted mansion because it actually is getting made, but with new filmmakers, completely yeah, new filmmakers. Yeah. The, the um, director that did uh, Dear White People and Bad Hair just got tapped by Disney to do it. So it's like a completely... Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. But it's it's not Del Toro, which is like, you know, tragedy. But it's uh-huh. a totally... To- if they're not going to do Del Toro, then I appreciate them going completely different. 
with a direction yes, I have no I idea what it's going to look well, like. Well, I, I very much liked Bad Hair, so, you know. I haven't seen it, but no oh, it's fun. In it, it's so I have fun. to watch it. You got to see it, yeah. I cannot wait. Also, um, there's the Muppets Haunted Mansion coming out on Disney+. Plus. Oh, that's great, too. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So there's my answers for you. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell. Coming soon to Dread, the maid. Joy is the new maid of a royal house whose previous maid disappeared under mysterious circumstances and is now haunting and terrorizing the family. Joy works to uncover the reason behind the former maid's disappearance. The maid will be made available on demand everywhere July 20, 2021 and on Blu-ray August 17th. 2021.